0: Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your hosts, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. All right. We are turning up the heat on the deep state Uh, tonight. Talk (laughs) about heat, man. Things were just (laughs) melting everywhere. I had a chicken that died today. Are you serious? Well he got what they call fly struck. Uh, we found about a hundred maggots coming out of the,
1: oh, come on. the egg but
0: area. And uh Ron, yeah, we, we can we dipped that thing in water three times and it was doing great. This Ron morning. the farmer. Anyway, sorry about that. Oh uh, well, yeah. Life well, on the it, farm. I mean if you're gonna mention
2: maggots in deep state together, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's so, right.
2: So nothing oh, new. But uh, yeah, speaking of heat, uh,
1: good recovery. Uh,
2: and tonight we have a oh. very we have a weapon of the lord against the deep state who's I mean, a man who's dangerous to the deep state ivan ranklin right is on yes, tonight
0: ranklin yep oh man uh, i can't wait he i when i heard him on red pill 78 i'm like oh this guy knows this stuff i'm i i was calling him the dot connector he connects the dots he does i mean it, just one thing after another i'm like wow i didn't know that connection i didn't know that connection so yeah i'd love I've, to hear what he
2: has to say about um zeiden's speech last week and oh, that's a big do. hot topic right now people are not happy <laughs> yeah. about demonizing 71 million voters and you know who didn't vote
0: for him all right well let's take the next two minutes just to finish up what we're doing and then okay. we'll have them right on okay so any what else with the news i mean uh we had some speeches this past week right i mean we yes had a, we did a big one in a very small one <laughs> well no actually the neat tiny were, it was very small we had two rallies. This teeny <laughs> tiny rally, and that was with the Biden, the resident. <laughs> yeah. And then we had a huge mega rally. Wow. A mega mega rally, mega-maga and that rally. was like ten thousand people, Ultra-maga. filled the uh, capacity. And then much more were outside. So it's like but yes,
1: I, and the significant thing was they were both in Pennsylvania, yes. in uh, the land of of where our liberty began. So there were so many ways that there was signaling going on, um, and the signals were sent. Some of them were in words, and some of them were in sounds. There was something very unusual at the end of Trump's speech. Did you catch that?
0: No. Tell me about it.
1: Well, it started thundering inside.
0: <laughs> yes, the same Thunder um, soundtrack is I Am Q. There's a song, I Am Q. Yeah. Really, I Am Q? Yeah. And he also played the theme song, Where We Go One, We Go All. Wow. So there seems to be some sort of uh, signaling out there, some messages, at least that's how I'm interpreting it. And then with uh, Biden, it was very clear what his messages were, that, uh, you know, we uh, we as conservatives are just, uh, we're a danger Despicable. to democracy. D- yeah. I mean, I had a couple of clips. Danger I don't know if I have time to do danger that. Danger to I the just...
2: new world order, danger yeah. to uh, democracy. Um, basically, uh, we're a danger to the deep state's Vision of of America. Yeah,
0: you're saying we promote chaos, Ooh, yeah. and destruction, and it's oh. like, hmm, what was that? The summer of uh, almost mostly peaceful protests. Protests. You know, well. that was not. So anyway, yeah, I don't want to spend actually any more time. Yeah, you, I, you
1: know I, what? Biden's... I want to tee up uh, Ivan because something that Biden said in his speech. I mean, he was uh, obviously coming down very heavy on MAGA Republicans, and he was making this this connotation. Uh, that there were some Republicans that he could work with,
3: yeah.
1: uh, that were not MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican, he said, embraces their extreme ideology. And and to me, he was pointing to the Uniparty. Mm-hmm. He was uh, obviously not just the, this rhino, um, but that there's really has been only one party. And and as far as the the uh, uh, deep state, they don't really care. Whether it's blue or whether it's red, as long it's not MAGA. Yeah. yeah so, sorry. on that happy note, yes, like um, we wanna we wanna introduce Ivan, and uh, he has quite a. Um, a resume. He's a recently retired Army Reserve, a lieutenant colonel. Um, he's known General Flynn, uh, and he has been part of military in- intelligence, and he's an attorney. He is um, a leading promoter of what's called the Pence Card Theory And that's what's been getting out on social media for the last probably nine months, I think, is the first time that I noticed it was posting out on um, Telegram and Twitter. And uh, basically, it's Vice President Mike Pence um, blocked the January 6th certification by Congress, uh, and he guaranteed Biden's victory. So he has some other things that are amazing about him he is a green beret an entrepreneur he's a, a father and a, a husband and a former military diplomat he's been an intel officer and he ran for u.s senate as a candidate oh, uh, wow. for the state of virginia. virginia so he's he um it's probably a good thing he's not he's a politician
0: <laughs> amen well with that no more further ado uh, ivan you're on live can you hear us
3: Hi, hello folks yeah yeah can you hear me? Okay. Yeah,
0: you sound great. Welcome.
3: Welcome. Excellent. Yeah, just a co- couple things I wanted to clarify on the introduction. Thanks for that introduction. Yes, uh, all of it's correct. Just the one thing on the Pence card component. Uh, I distributed that out via Twitter in December of 2020, and uh, the President, President Trump, retweeted that, and that's kind of how I got in the crosshairs of those that basically need some exposure and need to face consequences, also known as the deep state. But I'm jumping in and and diving in, kind of naming them by name, place, time, and transgression so that we can make sure that in the court of public opinion, we can convict them similar to what we just did in Wyoming to Liz, Lizzie, as well as uh, one of the key witnesses before that J6 cover-up committee uh, by the name of uh, Rusty Bowers from Arizona, if you're aware of him. Mm. We just convicted him as well. So let's keep moving. I mean, we're on a roll. That's
2: yeah, it looks like
3: to
2: looks like the Trump-backed uh, MAGA uh, candidates are all winning with, with a landslide. It, it seems to me that that um, speech that Biden gave, Biden gave last week, was actually them shaking in their boots. That this steamrolling um, MAGA movement is is continuing to steamroll.
3: I mean, we're in a precarious position right now in the in the country because you have probably at this point over seventy-five percent of the nation that does not consider the current uh, Chinese ambas- Chinese Communist Party ambassador to the U.S. who's currently squatting in the White House as legitimate. And you have uh, probably, so that's probably over 75%, and then probably over 50%, 55% consider uh, the guy sitting in the Winter White House as the legitimate leader of the nation. Mm-hmm. So we're in this kind of dichotomous situation where, um, we're trying to get out of this constitutional crisis and I'm just trying to provide my you know theory analyses based on my background on how we correct the situation and it's going to involve some pushback against obviously uh, the Chinese influence that has burrowed itself in the big gov, big you know big media, big tech, big pharma et cetera and then we're hopefully going to be getting out of this here in short order hopefully at the latest January 20th of 2023. So that, that speech, I don't think anybody watched it. Um, uh, you know, why would you listen to somebody that is not a leader of a country? You know what I mean? Exactly. So I, I kind of discount that as being a speech from any consequential individual.
2: In in your background, have you have, are you familiar with the 2015 edition of the Law of War, the Department of Justice Law of War? Uh,
3: 2015 edition of
2: the manual, of, that you, of what? the law of war manual. 2015 law of war um, This is the one that's the Department of Justice Artful. talking about 11.3 3 uh, uh, the occupa- occupation of a belligerent government.
0: Yeah, it was a Q post, it so was- they had 11.3 and 11.4. So, People were thinking they were dates at first. But they
2: I mean. weren't dates, they were sec- sections yeah, of the military code. I'm, not
0: fam- I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with, I, mean, I haven't
3: read it in detail, uh, I'm familiar with it, but I don't I mean, what's your question? I guess. Oh, well,
2: I I don't know. Right. I just, it came across my mind because I was reviewing that um, that today, and uh, but anyways, I can I encourage you to check it out. This is Brandon, by the way. I encourage you to check it out. Tell me which I'd love to hear what you think about it if you get a chance to check it out.
0: That being said, why yeah, don't I, you go, I go I right into your theory?
3: Anytime, anytime that somebody mentions the uh, the letter after the letter P, I always want before I even go into that. I always want people to take a look at the. The Phoenix field office of the FBI wrote a, I guess, an assessment of that particular letter of the alphabet, right, Mm -hmm. and the theory behind it. And they don't list who the individual, normally they don't don't do that, but I would like to know who the agents, or I should say the analysts were that wrote that, who were the uh, senior intelligence analysts that uh, approved of it, and then also who, what evidence did, did they use to support their Conclusion and assessment of that particular letter. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be very telling on uh, maybe giving some context of the origin of that letter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, with no more further ado, let's just jump into the Pence card theory that you have. I was really uh, impressed with it, and it, it and especially in some areas, it, it held a lot of uh, a lot of resonance with me. So why don't you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm go not for sure it.
3: if it's a. Some people call it a theory. I mean, I think at this point, I mean, we're 18 months
0: beyond it, but
3: essentially it was a tweet that was sent out with a, an attached memo, I believe three or four pages. Yeah, I think it was four pages that Trump retweeted. And this was uh, December 20 or, or 21st, I believe, uh, or maybe 22nd. But after the Supreme Court decided not to take on a case where they should have, the Texas versus Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin case. Uh, there was really the next phase in the calendar, according to the Electoral Count Act and the and the U.S. Constitution as it applies to a presidential election, was Electoral Count Act Title Three U.S. Code Section Twelve, I believe, and in there it said if the Vice President, uh, the President of the Senate, that is, does not receive an electoral slate from the Secretary or from the states uh, by the fourth Wednesday of the of December he is to transmit a memorandum to those secretaries of state of those respective states that they did not send anything and they need to do something if they want their presidential electors to be counted. So I argued that since those states transmitted uh, constitutionally insufficient or violating the Constitution how they allocated those electors, it was incumbent upon the president of the Senate to essentially acknowledge that seeing that it violated Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of our federal Constitution. As a federal officer, he is sworn to take an oath to defend it. And I just brought it to his attention that, hey, the states are violating that provision of the Constitution with their unlawfully transmitted electors. He needs to go ahead and act according to that electoral count act. It's It's not that we're asking him to do it. We're just notifying him that he is obligated to do it now that he's been put on notice. And instead of acting and doing something with that and transmitting to the state stating that they violated the Constitution and giving him them alternatives for it, he did nothing. And in that memorandum, it lays out three options for the states. It wasn't that Mike Pence was going to be the unilateral decider on where that would, those electors, how they would be allocated. In the memorandum, it lists three options. One was uh, for the states to abstain. Uh, just to kind of sit on their electors until they determine what, you know, how they wanted to allocate them, if at all. Number two, they could hold a brand new election according to their state's election law rather than uh, how the Secretary of State, a judge, or any other non legislative entity wanted to run it in the guise of, quote, the CCP 19 bioweapon. Uh, you know, and then the third option would be for the state legislature to hold a joint session. To then determine the allocation of their electors now they could have reaffirmed if you will the illegally transmitted biden electors and i would consider that as an attorney constitutionally viable because the legislative act essentially supersedes all of the underlying allegations of fraud unconstitutional activity and then all the illegal certifications but they didn't do either so mike pence didn't do anything And the states didn't do anything. So in the collective, everybody in that chain of the presidential election just straight up violated the law. And uh, several attorneys recognized that. Uh, Apparently, to include John Eastman, uh, later I found out, uh, a year later or so, in March of this year, that apparently he considered that tweet and the memo that was in there, to kind of formulate some of his arguments that he was making. Uh, And uh, I didn't really go into deep, I didn't really research his his arguments, but apparently the J6, the Mike Pence J6 cover-up committee uh, had some interest in investigating and talking to him. And I'm not sure why they're not reaching out to me to testify because maybe it's because I would probably devour every single one of those individuals (laughs) on the committee Uh, with uh, my ability to respond, because I've put out on Telegram uh, in the past, and I've done it on podcasts, and I'm going to do it here on the radio station, that I will be glad to testify before that committee on private citizen Ivan Raikland's theory uh, slash uh, you know advisement of the vice president on what his role was and what we need to do in order to remedy the uh, illegally certified 2020 election. And then, as part of that, uh, we need to have several key players in that committee hearing with me as I respond to their question of why a million people showed up on January 6th. And those individuals would be, oh, I don't know, the likes of Nancy Pelosi, her sergeant at arms, Paul Irving, Mitch McConnell, his uh, deputy sergeant at arms, since the sergeant at arms is deceased, uh, the chief of Capitol Police at the time, uh, what's his name, Chief Stephen Sund, the Capitol architect the D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, her police chief, Conti, and then the Secret Service agents that were with Pence, Pence himself, the son-in-law of Nancy Pelosi, Michael Voss, John Sullivan, the inner breach team leader, and Ray Epps, the outer breach team leader. And I would also like to have the security guards for the DNC and the RNC that were on duty on the 5th and the 6th, as well as uh, the U.S. Capitol Police officer, Michael Byrd, who murdered Ashley Babbitt, as well as Lila Morris, the Metropolitan Police Department uh, officer that murdered Roseanne Boylan. And then once I have all those folks in the same room with me, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that they may have, not in the Capitol, but in a venue, a neutral venue, where both the people asking me questions and myself are under oath so that America can see uncensored on C-SPAN for the whole world to see, my two weeks of prime time responses. Wow.
1: That well, was- one of the things that you're assuming is that they would they want to have a, <laughs> <laughs> a fair uh, and open discussion. I mean, the the very fact that there has not been cross examination and there have been so many. Well, that, I mean, bringing problems. me in would allow
3: for that because uh, every question that they ask, it would probably require me to. I would start off with, "That's a great question," but before we begin. Hey, Capitol Police Officer and Sergeant at Arms, I'm not starting my testimony until you shackle my arms, my hands, and my legs to this chair, so that when I make noises coming out of my mouth, no one is scared and offended based <coughs> on my background. Mm. And then I'll go into you know continuing to cre- create memes for generations as I, <laughs> you know, peacefully and patriotically berate every single individual. And oh, by the way, only the unconstitutionally. Uh, constituted lawmakers are allowed to ask me questions. none of these subaltern staffers they 're just not going to know the understand the uh, the details of what i 'm saying one and two it 's so much easier to debate an octogenarian that can barely form a sentence. <laughs>
0: right. Absolutely. You know, this would be perfect <laughs> pay-per-view. I would pay at oh, top gee, dollars I it would, to uh, see spend A thousand I would pay bucks. For
3: it I would pay to attend myself.
0: <laughs> 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 oh. So, what was the motivating factor behind what Pence did then? I mean, you know, you you go into depth about like who he was aligned with, and and you go through a history. Oh,
3: you're referring back to the Red Pill
0: '78, just uh, uh the deep dive, right? Yeah, yeah, deep dive. I mean, just with, no, you mean, know, five. A, a lot and all of this that. is
3: conjecture based on analysis, right? Uh, based on, I mean, you got to look at this from uh, what you, we want to call indicators and warnings analysis, link analysis between the different players. We use the chronology of uh, different events. And you combine all that together coupled with uh, uh, just a little bit of just context of being able, because a, a lot of what I know is based on, you know, almost entirely based on public exaltations by all these individuals and the media, and then court documents, right? Court filings. But in addition to that, I probably know some of these key players, right? That are involved and may have kind of bounced some ideas off of them. So it comes down to uh, it comes down to Mike Pence and his responses to a lot of questions. One is, how well did you know Robert Mueller during your twelve years in Congress on the? you know, 10 of those being on judiciary, the same 12 years that Robert Mueller was the FBI director, you were a congress member, 10 of those on the judiciary, I think it's safe to assume, it's a strong assumption, unless it can be somehow refuted, that Mike Pence knew Robert Mueller, mm-hmm. a judiciary a member of the Judiciary Committee, has oversight over the FBI as well as the DOJ. And then the next question is, hey, Mike Pence, Was it you that offered up um, Robert Mueller early, uh, immediately after James Comey was fired for President Trump? Did you recommend uh, uh, Robert Mueller to Trump to be the director of the FBI? Uh, I haven't been able to find anything out, out about that, but my gut feeling is probably that is the case. And then when Trump refused Robert Mueller to be the FBI director for his first term, at, you know, right after firing Comey, guess what happened the next day? Rod Rosenstein appoints Robert Mueller as who? Special, Special counsel. counsel. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to rehash the Redfield 78 interview. But I'm going to try to go in a little bit more detail on that. And that's one of the, th- the critical things that people need to be asking is, what role did Mike Pence, Rod Rosenstein, right, and all those key individuals that most people consider Bush-Cheney ecosystem right-of-center folks, right, of the Uniparty.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: What role do they have? And I suspect the more, the more we look into this and the more actions that they're taking, uh, whether it's Durham, whether it's the inactions, that IR gets inactions. Some people say, you know, on the other spectrum, there was another interview that I did with a uh, Patel Patriot. Uh, you know, some folks, and I'm not discounting anybody. I just have my thoughts and my analysis. They uh, other folks have think that John Durham's doing something based on some of the things that you mentioned with different letters, right? I just don't see any action being taken that is of any consequence there. And then uh, let's see with the raid, for example. Like all the indications that I see is a massive cover up after cover up after cover up in order for the original transgression not to be exposed, and that original transgression is i argue in july 2016 when pence was foisted on trump both sides of the aisle of the uniparty immediately started the spying on trump to create leverage over him and his the closest allies that were not aligned or loyal to either the democrat or republican party mm-hmm. and who are those individuals general flynn most dangerous. Uh, next up is who? Steve Bannon. Well, actually, before Steve Bannon, it was Roger Stone, right?
0: Roger Stone, yeah.
3: And then later on, uh, I mean, who was the one in the White House that wrote Immaculate Deception and basically was the first person to really, in an organized fashion, showcase the illegally certified election? Peter Navarro. So all everything we've seen to this point... Kind of leads into one bucket of who you have to ask the, answer the question who benefits the most within the political ecosystem that has any significant power within the judicial ecosystem to delete Bannon, uh, Navarro, Roger Stone, General Flynn, right? I mean, who is it? I argue it's those in the Republican Party that are trying to retake over the party that they lost, if you will, from their perspective when Trump came in.
0: Right, the rhinos. Ryan's Priebus,
3: Paul Ryan,
0: Mike Pence,
3: Lindsey Graham as the caretaker of the Judiciary Committee on the Senate side, right? Yeah. Mitch McConnell. I mean, I didn't talk about this in the red pill, I don't think, but who do you think appointed all 300 of the federal judges
0: Oh, that was uh, technically Lindsay. it was
3: Trump, right?
0: Well, yeah, he's. Someone...
3: It has to go through Lindsey Graham, through the judiciary, and then whoever is the chair. So I think it was initially, uh, I think it was Lindsey Graham, and then, oh, or no, before Mitch. that it was. Uh, what's was... his name? Uh, Chuck Grassley, Lindsey Graham, and then you start moving over to the full Senate, which is the Senate Majority here, Mitch McConnell. Okay. And then considering Mike Pence was on the judiciary, right? He's a lawyer himself. I mean, he probably has folks that he wants to tee up to be on the judiciary. So one argument to make is why did none of those election uh, cases become successful? A lot of people say, oh, it's because, oh, Sidney Powell is bad. Uh, Lynn Wood's bad. All these people are bad lawyers, right? No, I argue the complete opposite. The... Judiciary was the 300 judges that were, quote, Trump judges, some people say. I argue that there were more Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell judges more than anything. Mm. I mean, who fought for, uh, you know, who fought for Brett to have a beer more than anybody, right? Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was Remember Lindsey, Lindsey Graham? Graham. Yeah, very people passionate. Like,
3: oh, wow, look at Lindsey coming out. The first time we've ever seen them like that. I, I wonder what what's behind that. <laughs> right. So there you have it. I mean, the judicial ecosystem runs through the Senate Judiciary Committee, and when I say judicial ecosystem, that's all three branches of government. So number one, uh, you know, the, the, the House and Senate Judiciary. And who, who's more influential, right? It's the Senate Judiciary because they're the ones that get to appoint judges and then the Attorney General uh for the nomination process right they start there based on their jurisdiction right, and uh, that cabinet member right number two is what about the article uh what is it the we talked about the article two branch of government doj fbi oversight but then you look at the article three branch of government you have this little known entity known as the foreign intelligence surveillance court right yes not only are you kind of providing oversight along with the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and then your counterparts over the House, H. I. P. C., which is House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, as well as the House Judiciary Committee, you're kind of being briefed and know what's going on within uh, the FISA court as it applies to the spying on American citizens. Because if you look at the process, you look at some of these public disclosures by the DOJ IG that have been made over the years, I mean, the people involved in spying on American citizens are the National Security Division primarily, right, at the FBI, requests due to political reasons, who they're going to target, mostly, I argue. Uh, Then it has to be that 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 warrant needs to be uh, presented before a FISA judge. All FISA court judges have been appointed by Chief Justice John Roberts singularly. And then uh, of the sitting bench. Of federal uh, judges, and then it goes for execution and actioning by NSA, right? So it would be nice in that entire ecosystem to be able to get a whistleblower, and I think we just presented ourselves with an opportunity today. A couple hours ago, the Chief of Staff for uh, Chief Justice John Roberts just announced he's retiring at the end of the month. So it would be nice for you guys to reach out to him. I don't recall his name right now. And see if he would do an interview and ask him what he knows about uh, anything related to the FISA court.
2: It's a great idea. i
3: am probably gonna do a little deep dive tomorrow on that since that just came across the radar wow. and see how we can't do that. The other component is there's an individual by the name of Joseph Pientka III, if you've been following oh, my yeah, telegram. Oh,
0: yeah, I have on that. I,
3: uh, I,
0: I try to mention his name every day. You've been good at it. I, I, I've heard it a number of times.
3: <laughs> Joseph Tienka III, he's like the, the invisible FBI agent. I think the Epoch Times wrote an article a year and a half, two years ago, the invisible FBI agent. I think he's invisible because, one, I, I th- like I said before, I think he might be a white hat in the sense that he tried to do the right thing but without getting slammed for it. Once he identified the predicate wasn't really there, because Bill Priestap, whom we're going to have a discussion about him in the in the near future uh, to expose him a little bit more as it applies to him potentially leveraging his, let's just say, family members to target me. And if you're listening, Bill, we'll get to you. Don't worry. But right now we're focused on Joe Pienka. Uh, and when Bill Priestap would not tell Joe what the underlying predicate was for uh, the, the spying on the Trump campaign through Crossfire Razor and Hurricane, he was like, you know what? I think I'm out. I want to be taken off of this case because I, I want nothing to do with it. Uh, and it's documented. So they reassigned him to San Francisco. Uh, well, that's right. He's in Lindsay our area. Graham as the chair of the... What's that?
1: He's in our area. We're in Santa Cruz oh, uh, right. County, which is not far so, from San Francisco. I don't San know Francisco. if he's still
3: there, but he was originally reassigned there. Lindsey Graham... Uh, had him testify and he didn't really tell the rest of the judiciary committee. So that, 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 that raises a red flag for me in thinking, okay, why would Lindsey Graham do this? Why is it behind closed doors? Why is it, you know, all these questions come up. The only answer that I can think of is Lindsay's covering something up himself. Was Lindsay the one directing involved or facilitating that crossfire hurricane? Um, uh, by providing that top cover. You got to remember that you can't fire a vice president as president, but the reverse is true if the cabinet is on board with it. And guess who confirms the cabinet? <laughs> the Senate. So if Lindsey or excuse me, if Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence are on board to create the frame so that only so that the majority of the cabinet that is appointed by Trump and confirmed is actually loyal to pence and mcconnell they they are always in a position to pull a 25th amendment removal and as we remember if you've been following this closely that occurred at least on that discussion occurred at least on two occasions with the deputy attorney general rod Rosenstein.
0: yeah he would wear a uh, wire right or he said he was joking but he, that
3: was one of them remember anonymous new york times and There's many, many times that that occurred, and then Nancy Pelosi wanted to push for it after J six. That's another story. So,
1: and Pienka, also was involved in interviewing Flynn when he was just, just new to the White House, wasn't he?
3: So on two occasions, Joe Pienka, August of 2016, he was sent by, uh, what was his name, Uh, Pete Struck, Andrew McCabe, and Jim Comey. So, the FBI director, deputy director, and then the senior, one of the senior counterintelligence folks, uh, with, you know, what's his name? Peter Strzok was Joe Pienka's boss. So, Pienka is sent over to Trump Tower in New York to give a defensive counterintelligence briefing to President Trump, Chris Christie, and General Flynn. And in that, this is what the documents say. He was sent out there, the declassified ones, he was sent out there. To not only do a what's called a defensive counterintelligence briefing, it's essentially you know, briefing folks on the threats that it could be happening to the campaign from foreign actors, but also to assess the mannerisms of General Flynn anytime Russia was mentioned. And so, if you initially think that the predicate was legitimate, you may think as an agent, like you know, there might be something here, here. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. He does that briefing, but when he comes back. And then he does the interview. He sent again to the white house with Pete struck to do an interview of Flynn. And then he testifies before Lindsey Graham saying that he didn't see any indication of deception by Flynn. And he's basically blocked from writing what is known as his 302, his sworn affidavit of the, of the meeting with Flynn. And then it, that was in January 24th of 2017, four days after inauguration, and then the 302 by struck is not released until August. Yet the original Joseph Pienka 302, the sworn affidavit, which is according to FBI policy, you got to write that up within five days. That's basically almost nowhere to be found. Was and that, somewhere uh, within that time frame? He is. You know, he had he talks to Bill Priestap to figure out what's the predicate. He's told that he can't see it, and then that's when he bounces. So based on his actions and what the the documents show, it's almost as though he's a white hat. The only reason why I think he might, he could not, there's a potential where he's not is who within the San Francisco field office, or maybe headquarters, but if it was from San Francisco, who contacted Mark Zuckerberg to tell him to go ahead and censor the Hunter Biden laptop story?
0: Yeah, and that just came out this week, right? Last week.
3: Yeah, remember when uh, good old Marky Mark Zuckerberg told Joe Rogan on an interview last week? Yep. That, oh yeah, the FBI contacted us. The first question of any investigative journalist is, okay, name that FBI agent. Exactly. Who is it? Was it from the San Francisco field office? Was it Joseph Pienka, if he was still there? And if it was... Intriguing. <laughs> He's like involved in everything. So let's let's put this
1: together. So, so that we're we're trying to. Um, so the question that you asked is who most benefits. We were we were putting together the idea that um, Pence was actually running cover. Uh, he had an alternative. Um, motive for for that the embedded um, permanent politicians in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, he's part of the system of the Uniparty, and that the right. uh, that that as soon as Trump got in, he was up against. Every sort of uh, weapon against uh, that these uniparties from both sides, his assumption
3: think, that friends
1: yeah. he had friends on the right his side was not a good assumption, and so he was having not only to fight the left but his own party, and that uh, part of that fight uh, yeah, exactly. was I think was Mike All Pence. the friction
3: started when Mike Pence was voiced it on Trump, right? In July of 2016. Yeah, at the... At the right around the RNC convention.
1: Re, right, the Republican convention.
2: So basically your your theory, or not even theory now, but is that all the way through history of the last 100 years, the deep state has managed to uh, bring in a saboteur to anybody who's the, who is far away from the deep state to be able to run alongside like a Ronald Reagan or...
3: Um, right, I mean, in a sense, I hate to say it, it makes sense if you're sitting in their shoes. Yeah. they're trying to gain and retain power and influence of people that are leveraged against each other based on you know generations of relationships you know the bush dynasty the cheney dynasty and when you break through that it's you're going to see massive pushback right and <laughs> trump saw that right massive pushback yes, he did yeah but here's the here's the problem for those that have have dyna dynasty-building relationships. They don't have 80 million people following them on Twitter, right? <laughs> right, as he did. He literally had the ability to circumvent all institutions, big media, big tech, big. as long as they weren't censoring him, right? Big media, big tech, and all of the cabinet officials because he could just put it out And one little, you know, chirp for the entire world to hear and see. That's how fast it would operate. They finally realized it, and that's why they had to cancel them off of Twitter. And guess what that did? That only facilitated, I I was trying in June of 2019 to put a deal together where we had a, essentially, a free speech search engine and a free speech social media and then, by extension, it would build into kind of what we're seeing today. But we didn't have enough interest of people that have capacity. So now we have to face with, you know, a couple-year delay. But now we have truth. We have Telegram, right, and all these other, uh, what is it, uh,
0: Rumble. Yeah, we still need hubby, a search like, gas, engine, though, for sure.
3: But I'm just doing that research.
0: search engine is lacking. Yeah, definitely. I, w- I do research for the show, and I can't find anything that I used to find. I used to find things years ago. I used to put in something, and I would find it. Now it's it's whatever MSNBC, you know, Eight, CNN. Seven. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, even that though they repeat the second page well, all the way to the duck, hundred duck, page.
2: DuckDuckGo duck has been good up into the last six months yeah. a year, and then the other one that uh, it, isn't there. One that was being released right now, uh, Chris, remind me.
1: A free spoke and I haven't found it a very very reliable as far as it being up all the time. FreeSpoke is being pushed on uh, on True Social, and then I use Brave um, browser, yeah. which is yeah.
3: That's my go-to is Brave for now.
1: Yeah, because that's that's reliable and it, it seems to be uncensored. Uh, let's uh, we've got about uh, 15 minutes, and I am just mm-hmm. curious about some things uh, as far as fixing what. He, you know we can we it's time to look forward and i'm not saying we mm-hmm. don't Absolutely. take take um to account what happened in 2020 but what we do need to do is look at 2022 the midterms obviously we need to get out there to vote there are no excuses not to vote we need to have eyes on the polls we need to be working with the uh, um the um uh, maga Candidates or those that are, are America first candidates, we need yep. to be aware that we America are in first a unit.
3: China first. Yep. Yes,
1: and that we are in a uniparty system and not just to uh, vote the party system, but to, uh, to vote the um, really what the 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 values of the candidates are and what they're they're saying versus just red or blue. Um, I heard an interesting uh, an interesting theory about how to stop the machines from breaking the from cheating, and it was writing in your your candidate because then it would kick it out and they'd have to hand count your vote. And the, there was kind of this. Uh, I heard it just yesterday. They're sending out, hey, what if we all hand wrote in our candidates and all of the votes had to be hand counted? Wow. <laughs> I thought it was
3: brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you teed me up for that. That is absolutely a thing. And if you want to. So we've already kind of broken up the, the McCain cabal in Arizona with the how well America First candidates did there. We also did the same thing with Wyoming with the Cheney dynasty. Our last standing kind of peg of the stool that we need to remove within the Republican side of a very key influential figure resides in Wisconsin. And his name is Robin Voss. He currently is the Speaker of the House. He somehow pulled off a quote-unquote victory by having – 260 more ballots than adam steen in the primary august 9th so there is no democrat running in november hmm. and so adam steen is running a write-in campaign against robin voss Remi- a reminder president trump endorsed adam steen and he's going to reendorse him according to my sources which are very good <laughs> and uh let's just say september 18th if you're out in wisconsin there's going to be an event i think it might have been announced already if not then well there you go and you're going to see it looks like uh, michael and dell is going to be out there and some other folks probably justice gableman probably some other legislators that you've seen around the Adamstein campaign hmm. uh, but yeah that's going to be a write-in campaign and it's going to be interesting because as of earlier today, a Democrat that's run before is also announcing the writing campaign because originally huh. they weren't going to run. That's so that right. could really put us in a position where the machines become irrelevant and more, well, I shouldn't say irrelevant, less relevant. And it's more important for us to volunteer to be election day workers to be able to supervise the electoral system. Because if you leave it up to the communist scum and the, uh, uh,
0: these, what do they call them? The, uh, communist scum. <laughs> you know, I like I'm your first think one. Their, oh,
3: the union, the union uh, workers, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. To run the electoral system, we're going to get the same thing that we saw in 2020. And then they're going to be those, those union workers and the C3s that are funded by Marky Mark Zuckerberg who claims that the you know, FBI told me to censor, and then, well, did the FBI tell you to bribe five cities' uh, elected officials in Wisconsin to steal the election there? I don't think so. So the entire ecosystem has to cover for itself in order to not be in jail in their property seats. That's why they're fighting so hard.
0: Well, Mark Zuckerberg's so always... Adam Steen in Wisconsin. Yeah, that'd be awesome. As I say, Mark Zuckerberg always considers himself an overachiever, so I guess maybe uh, he was told to to run scrimmage for the FBI or or censor, but then he went the next step further. He secretly (laughs) wants to be a spy. I think he wants to just blame. Actually, he
1: secretly is a spy. He wants to
2: blame the FBI. I got a quick question for you. Did you see the video where somebody shook Mike Pence's hand after he had... um, elected, did the electorate, and they gave him a coin.
3: The, oh, yeah, 30. That's why they nicknamed him 30 Pence, right?
2: 30 Pence. Oh. Mm. Interesting. And I think
3: what's more telling is, oh, we had this discussion on one of the podcasts, uh, I believe, with, uh, with Zach of Red Pill. I think what's more telling is that elbow bump by Nancy Pelosi. Uh, mm. And I think that, you know, it's more of an indicator of a, hey, good job, we... We conducted what's called the Pence Pelosi Pooch. If you're not familiar with the term Pooch, it's the the Russian equivalent to a coup d'état or an overthrow of the government. Yeah. So I, I just figured I'd choose that one since it starts with the letter P. P for Pelosi. For the, yeah. the, CPP, the, B- the Pence yeah. Pelosi.
0: P- P- Pence, Pelosi, Pooch. <laughs> we'll check that out. MLCCP. Hey, we actually have a caller. If you're willing to entertain a caller here, we're going uh, to put them on. Okay. I want
3: somebody that disagrees with me.
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, we, we try to get those, but they don't really... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have uh, w- what is called Pure Heart from Aptos. You're on the air.
3: Hello. I'm sorry. That the disagreement won't be me. I'm enjoying the guest entirely. But if you have a piece of paper and a pencil, i suggest a browser... You might try the Yandex browser, Yankee Alpha November Delta yeah, yeah, Echo x that's Yeah, that's, that's Ru- yeah, but that's Russian disinformation, you know? Right. Well, so maybe, it's fine. maybe they don't really disinform us on American media. That might be it, a good point there. It finds <laughs> things. It finds things I could not find before which disappeared. So it's a good thing to have in your toolbox to find stuff that you know is there but disappeared. It finds it for me. So just... uh. Word to the wise, and I'll keep listening. What was it, it
0: one more time? Y- y- Yandex. Yandex? Okay. Yandex. So I'll anyway, check that a, out.
3: Yeah, of course, you have to be of course, be aware of what you're saying, but it finds things which have disappeared for me.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, we have show notes on wakethebearradio.com. I'm going to have actually every one of uh, Ivan's links that he wants, and I'll have that one on there as well. So if you visit that tomorrow, we'll have the show on with all those links. Uh, thanks okay. a lot. I appreciate thanks, your calling. Great, thanks, Pure great Heart. Great guest. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Sure. No. Yeah,
2: we we often get some people calling in that disagree. We really just try to find them, but and often they just can't keep a coherent discussion and argument going on. So,
0: yeah, it's pretty tough. We try. We we try to make it easy for them by listening. Uh, it's past <laughs> <your> bedtime. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, one of the things that I like to do because I go to quite a few events, is, and then usually have the the radical domestic terrorist leftist uh, reporters out there. And they're easy to identify because they have one mask. Uh, and then I usually, you know, ask them, why aren't you wearing two or three masks, right? But the key <laughs> there is to, you know, their role is to discredit and try to make us look like fools. When you beat them to it, it's it's glorious because they start to run like cockroaches. Hmm. And I usually try to record that and post it on my Telegram just for entertainment value. Uh, but for those that actually stick around and listen... You know, you try to mentor them and educate them on things that they haven't seen because they're in their their own echo chamber, right? Right. Yeah, Absolutely. you
2: basically basically trying to break open their bubble a little bit. Hey, oh, we got another caller. Do you want to take another call here, uh, Ivan? Yeah, yeah,
3: I'll stick around as long as you need me, yeah.
0: Okay, let's do that. This one is uh, Bill from Monterey. Bill, you're on the air.
3: Yeah, it was my understanding that Bill Clinton had fired all the U.S. attorneys and brought in his own people. Now, did Trump do that? so you bring up a good point sir uh one thing to keep in mind regarding u.s attorneys is that the longest standing u.s attorney was the u.s attorney for maryland by the name of rod rosenstein i think ever in the history of u.s attorneys he was the long stand, longest standing attorney i think it was 10 or 12 years which i mean to me the immediate thing that i think of is deep state much absolutely yeah the other thing they're to- consider on that front for u.s attorneys remember he was the deputy attorney general who ended up doing the Mueller thing and then was involved in the potential 25th amendment option discussions with wearing a wire etc but in addition to that he was what he was a law school section mates with anthony scaramucci
0: Mm -hmm. small family and
3: now it kind of makes sense of why anthony scaramucci it, like, quickly turn. Remember, he turned against Trump after he got, like, axed, essentially.
0: Yes. Yeah. I now, wonder
3: book. if it has anything to do oh, with dear. his relationship with Rod Rosenstein. Wow. Well, there you Now, is. I, but you, but oh. I, to answer your question, sir, usually, yeah, normally when a new president comes in, uh, that is that is standard practice to kind of remove everybody that's been appointed, uh, particularly ambassadors and then particularly U.S. attorneys and then they start from scratch. And he was the only, I think he was the only, Rosenstein was the only holdover uh, from uh, Obama. Now, wasn't Durham meeting with the grand jury as far as bringing uh, facts out on what was going on, or no? What's happening with that? Uh, it was hard to understand. Grand jury with which grand jury? Durham's. Dur- 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 grand grand jury. He was supposed to be bringing charges or people up on the grand uh, jury.
1: For the indictments,
3: the sealed indictments. Oh, I think yes. you said, you're referring to John Durham, I think you said? Yeah. Durham, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so...
0: Thanks, Bill. I'm going to have you, you know, off. We're just closing, so I'll uh, let uh, Ivan uh, answer this.
3: Yeah, so my stance on John Durham is, is kind of what I mentioned earlier in the show here. I don't see... I just see him as another cog in the wheel, just slow rolling, uh, using the Bunsen burner analogy that I mentioned during uh, my previous podcast, meaning that there's a mechanism at play, it seems like, within the DOJ that when they need to, for the court of public opinion, make it look like they're doing something so that it puts people at ease and then uh, it simmers from a boil, uh, the court of public opinion, so that people aren't riled up to make it look like justice is being served. Meanwhile, all it is is just a delay tactic. And I get it, I'm, I, I, I pray that I'm wrong. I pray that he goes ahead and, and prosecutes every single person listed thus far from James Comey to, uh, what's his name? Andrew McCabe to Peter Strzok to Lisa Page to Bill Priestap to, uh, what's his name? Baker, all these guys at the DOJ and the FBI that have, that spied and lied from 2016 onward and all the way up to including, you know, your Lindsey Grahams and your Mike Pence's, if that if the investigation leads us there, that would be great. But I haven't seen any evidence that he's doing that. They're going after the source that Richard Steele used. The guy's name is Donchenka. To then prosecute him. OK, great. It's been, what, three and a half years? How many prosecutions have we heard and seen from good old unlimited-sourced John Durham. Zero.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating.
3: Have we seen of MAGA supporters peacefully entering and conducting First Amendment activities inside a building. Oh, I don't know, 800? So when you juxtapose it and compare it to that, uh, I think it's, to me, it's clear that it's just a slow roll, just like A.G. Burnovich did with his slow roll in Arizona, uh, the attorney general there for election broad. right? And there's many instances where there's just a slow roll going on. For you know, once the pressure's so high for political expediency, they make it look like they're doing something. Just like Robin Voss did with the appointing Justice Gableman. People are like, "Oh, great, he's going to do something." No, he's just slow rolling.
0: Hey, Ivan, mean, we've got about a minute. Over, we have about a minute yep. and ten seconds. Uh, closing thoughts as we close because uh, we're on a radio. message of hope. Yeah. yeah. What's your message of hope? <laughs> There is no hope. I mean,
3: I need everybody <laughs> to get. Uh, yeah, I need everybody to get in their uncomfort zone, and essentially take this country back. Amen. Do what you can based on what you can do. That's right. And if you're, if you're saying someone else needs to do something, you need to figure out how you can do that part that you're expecting someone else to
2: do. Yeah, think globally do it yourself. Think globally, That's but it. act in locally. Order to together, do the same thing. Yeah, we got to get busy. We got to get busy up huh. being poll workers, poll watchers. We get it. We got to do our part to, to change the direction. Well, we just pray for blessing you upon.
3: Go to my Substack, or you can go to my, oh. my Linktree Ch- forward slash rakelet. Right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> check out Ivan's Substack.
0: We will. And we'll have all that in the show notes too. All the links. Hey, thanks so much, Ivan. it yeah. was an mm-hmm. informative night. Bless God, you. Nah,
2: I appreciate it. It's great. Thank you. Uh-huh. God bless. Good night. night, now. God bless. bless him.
0: Protect him, Lord. This has been Wake the Bear Radio on KSCO. 1080 on your AM dial.